Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast for all law enforcement professionals and all those who support them. Sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. We mean police business. I'm your co-host, Ken Bader, with co-host Casey Smith. Casey, how are you? I'm good. I've been traveling a lot. I'm, I'm going to Texas tonight to spend some time with the Texas Police Association Texas. Board. So, very exciting. Yes. Austin's a great city, so I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it is. You know, I had the pleasure of, of being there for a completely different uh, conference. It wasn't for uh, law enforcement. It was actually for podcasters, believe it or not. Oh. Uh, back, back in September, I believe. And it was it was a gorgeous city. First time I've ever been there. Why didn't you invite me to that? I'm kind of offended. Um, probably, be, probably, well, I understand. Probably because I wanted to have a good time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's, that's how we're starting the day. Okay. Let's do <laughs> I am completely kidding. The next, the next yeah. one's in San Diego this September. So make sure you, you okay. ask me about the details and we'll see if we can get you in. But, uh, that would be great. But two people we want to get in today are our great guests, which are Sean and Jeff Thomas. Uh, Sean Thomas is the national director and founder of First Responder Conferences, and Jeff Thomas is the director and co-founder of First Responder Conferences. Uh, just as important, Sean and Jeff are deputies for the King County Sheriff's Office in Seattle, Washington. Shout out to Seattle. Great city there. Yes. Just, just like Austin's Absolutely. great city, Seattle's a great city. Um, Sean, <laughs> Sean has been a deputy for 21 years. And Jeff has been a deputy for 30 years, so maybe he'll pull rank. But Sean and Jeff, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Our sure. pleasure. Our pleasure. Yeah, you guys were uh, talking about Austin, and we have uh, a lot of friends in Austin. We've done a couple conferences there, and nice. we love uh, visiting Texas. You know, we love visiting Texas. People are so nice there. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, some great friends there. Um, and... Uh, Part of our conference team is actually from um, Austin or the Cedar Park area. It's uh, oh, nice. Javier and Kathy Bustos. Uh, they're that peer support couple. So nice. um, we enjoy visiting um, every chance we get. People are yes. so friendly and nice there. They are. They are. I enjoy it too. Yeah, I've been all over Texas and have never had a bad experience except for maybe Houston and being on their uh, freeways. Uh, but the people there were, <laughs> were people there were nice and uh, like like the uh, conceal and carry laws in Texas. Maybe I'll move there. Um, I was gonna say, says the guy in California, that traffic is a different monster. So you cannot judge the Houston traffic. <laughs> It, it is, but at least the freeways have a, a certain flow and system to it in Los Angeles mm. and Orange County. I think Houston, they just put freeways on top of freeways. But enough about Houston. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about um, Sean and Jeff. You're, you're both deputies, as I mentioned, for the King County Sheriff's Office in Seattle. Uh, so that's a combined over 50 years between the two of you on the job. Uh, what's that like at home? We got to talk about that first. Sure. <laughs> they just look at each other. <laughs> uh, well, we were talking a little bit beforehand, and uh, yeah, my, my mates and I, when I was a young, soon-to-be deputy, used to talk about how horrible it would be to have to date somebody who was a police officer. <laughs> and what would you talk about at home? You know, you, how many burglaries you did today or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of funny that Sean and I ended up being a couple. But mm -hmm. um, 
I would say overall, it's it's a uh, it's a great tool because we we both know what we're going through and what we're doing daily, and there's not a whole lot. You know, for some couples who, especially when they're married, prior to one of them becoming a police officer, that, that sometimes that's trouble. Uh, Can be, yeah. It's hard to adjust to the life, and since we both were in the life, there wasn't a lot of adjustment, at least on that end of of it. So. Right. overall it's been terrific because I don't have to explain what I do and she doesn't have to explain what she does and because we already know yeah Although sometimes Jeff bores me because he comes home and says oh I went to this call and I'm like who cares been there, done that. like I don't <laughs> and then I find myself like looking at something else and then I'm like oh I better pay attention to him <laughs> let's let's look like I'm interested <laughs> you know what's, what's, what's funny is you might like, ask me what I think so what do you think about this <laughs> I talked about that yesterday he was talking about some call he had went on and he goes I can tell that you have no interest in this conversation <laughs> at all. And I'm like, sorry, trying to act excited, but not really. <laughs> I think that's all marriages, you know, <laughs> my, uh, my wife is in, in healthcare and uh, we talk about, we have this running joke uh, about how nurses just love cops. And it's been on multiple occasions when we've had a police officer or former police officer as a guest on the show and maybe they started a business or something and I'll see in the bio and I'll talk to, to my wife. I said, guess, guess who he's married to? An ER nurse. And she's like, oh, well, that never happened. <laughs> and I, I, we joke and say, you know, I think it's because, you know, it's, it's only other people in similar professions that can really understand. I mean, if you're an ER nurse, you've probably seen things that are, are just as harsh as a police officer, or firefighter, and so forth. So you kind of get it. Like, it seems you two do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're in the ER in the middle of the night, sometimes you know that's the only person to talk to. Yeah, <laughs> love connections are going on there. Yeah, no, I I could see that. So let's talk about first responder conferences. Um, talk about what it's about, how it started, when it started, and what the motivation was to do it. Um, well, I know Jeff gets tired of hearing this story, but, uh, I told him, I said, but there's no don't. other way to really do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so, uh, I was hired in 97 and, um, I've always just wanted to, you know, help people. And obviously that's probably why I got in the profession. But, um, when I started really getting into my career, you know, there's a lot of critical incidents and things that, uh, occur throughout you know, the time that you're in there. And um, one of the things that I saw were um, after critical incidents, people were struggling. And I thought, wow, you know, how can you help those people? And we had a peer support team a, that I can help, you know, give back to the, you know, instead of the public to our own officers that were enduring critical incidents and having a tough time. So in 2006, I became a member of our peer support team, and that was kind of my real reality check of how many officers were struggling, um, you know, and we had talked about this a little bit earlier, um, in their marriages and um, struggling with, you know, shootings or whatever abnormal events um, and trying to normalize those events. So... Um, I kind of dug deep into that and tried to learn as much as I could and how I could help. Um, 
but uh, moving forward um, into 2015, Jeff had been on the SWAT team for quite a while and uh, he was um, coping with alcohol. And so, um, you know, I knew that even though that I, it was easy to help everybody else, I didn't know how to help him. And uh, Jeff said, you know, I think I have a problem and I, you know, we need to reach out for help. And then that kind of was like, well, where do we go? You know, do we really want to go to our department? No, nobody really trusts EAP. We weren't sure if that was a safe bet. So, um, but we finally the, found the help that we needed. And um, so, uh, and Jeff can talk a little bit more about his journey in that. Um, but after, uh, well, Jeff went to treatment. And um, during that process, I realized that um, I kind of needed some guidance and I really wasn't getting the guidance that I needed. I had like the peer support in the department because uh, we didn't keep it a secret. I mean, we weren't telling everybody, but we were pretty open and honest about it and like, Hey, you know, he needs help. And so he's going to get the help and there's no shame in that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of was floundering, wasn't sure, you know, what to do. Um, we have two boys and they were younger at the time. And, and, um, I just thought, okay, well, he'll come home. Everything will be great. And we'll just move forward. And, um, and so after, that whole incident, uh, my peer support captain knew about what I, you know, what we had been through. And he suggested that we put on a health and wellness conference for first responders and their families. And I thought, sure, how hard can a conference <laughs> right. be, right? Like, it's got to be easy task. I can do it. Hard. And um, so uh, I had some help with uh, some people help me uh, put this conference together. And um, we had around 150 people show up and at least five people reached out for help. So that was the big picture for me. I realized that there's a lot of people out there that are struggling yeah. um, throughout, you know, I mean, the things that they endure throughout their career. So um, after that conference, I just, people started asking me, hey, we really like what you're doing. Will you put on a conference? And I sure said, okay, yeah, my plate's not full enough, right? Like I always have my plate. Yeah. And so um, we just kind of kept on moving forward in every conference that we went to, people were reaching out for help. We were providing confidential resources and um, we were actually truly saving, saving lives. So um, that's kind of how it all started. It kind of started within, um, with, within Jeff and I and our personal uh, crisis within our family. Um, and then we just wanted to help others because we knew we weren't alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens when you do something right. They ask you to do it again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, having having run literally dozens of conferences in my career, we're, we're on the 16th annual Police Officers Credit Union Conference that I run. Uh, yeah, those those are just a snap. There's there's nothing to doing those. You just do those <laughs> like in your sleep, right? <laughs> They're free. Yeah. No. Yeah, like, take any time to put that. No. No, you know, nothing ever happens like the electricity going off in the meeting space in the middle of a presentation. <laughs> you know, people people asking you the day of, you know, can so and so come to? You know, none of those things, you know, <laughs> none of those things ever happen. Now a word from our sponsor, the National Police Credit Union. 
The National Police Credit Union is pleased to introduce Killed in Line of Duty Loan Protection, a special debt cancellation benefit created exclusively for active full-time law enforcement officers. Available for multiple loans at no cost to the borrower, this complimentary benefit will cancel up to 850000 of the outstanding balance of one or more loans should the unthinkable happen to an officer due to a line of duty incident. Eligible credit union loans includes mortgages and home equity loans, auto, motorcycle, and boat loans, signature loans, uniform loans, tuition loans, student loan consolidations, and credit cards. Killed in the line of duty loan protection is available only for the qualifying officer and the protection may not be purchased outright. This debt cancellation benefit only applies in the case of death. Please see loan addendum upon loan closing for more details. And for more information, please go to nationalpolicecu.com. Talking about your conferences, uh, which are for all first responders, police, fire, military veterans, uh, corrections, dispatchers, even, even chaplains and retired folks, spouses, uh, professional staff, clinicians, I can go on and on. Um, that's a number of, of different professions. Um, do your events cover topics that are, are all-encompassing, uh, or do you also offer programs that are specifically perhaps just for police, just for fire, just for dispatchers, and so forth? Well, that was one of the things. It's right. It's a learning process. So we've been trying to learn as we go. And um, there, people have contacted us and said, "Oh, we want you know this conference, and we want to do a military track, or we want to do a you know police track." And and um, I I really um, kind of steer clear of that because at the end of the day, trauma is trauma, right? Yeah. And we all need to learn how to cope in one way or another. Um, and what might work for you might not work for me. So I think that um, we, we, it's a two day conference and we have different professions speaking about different topics. And we just wanna keep it all together just because, um, you know, firemen do have important things to say every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> This is a law enforcement show. You can say that. Go ahead. <laughs> right. so we love our firefighters, you know, and they go through the same things that we go through. Um, yeah. It might be a different scene, but they see what you see, you can't unsee, right? And they see yeah. the same things that you see. Um, you know, maybe not the same calls, but um, in our dispatchers and our corrections. And so everybody um, is, is struggling um, in in these professions and so like i said we just want to keep everybody in the same room listen to different people um you know i know that a lot of times uh, jeff will always kind of complain about the dispatchers and oh they they just want me to get get this off their screen and so and you know i'm busting my butt every single second and <laughs> and um but you know they do endure a lot too and they hear things and they never have closure to it. And so, um, you know, I guess what my point is, is it's good to hear their information and what they're going through to help us understand how to help them. Mm -hmm. No, I, I like that. I think that, um, it, you know, all those different topics and, and trauma, like you said, it does uh, impact everybody differently, but I think when you are able to share with each other, you're hearing the perspectives of others, 
And sometimes it's easier to relate once you do. So I like that. I think it's good to have a collaborative sort of effort there. Agreed. I think we always try to open our conferences with kind of the uh, caveat that uh, even if you aren't in this group of, you know, that's speaking at the moment, there's something to gain from everything. Yes. Like everybody's mind open to that. So uh, getting back to what we were talking about before with my rehab stint, um, it's, I, I was kind of a perfect candidate for that being in the first responder world, because I'm kind of one of those guys who I don't, I don't really give a lot of thought to what everybody else thinks, mm -hmm. but there's always this big gigantic stigma. <laughs> well, you know, I know a lot of guys who would never, ever admit to ever having right. a problem is, is, yeah. is the you know, number one problem. But, um, you know, we're trying to, one of the things we're trying to disprove is the stigma i mean it's uh 2019 uh yes if anybody's gonna oh. uh, you know censure you for coming out and saying you have some sort of a problem I, they're looking at big problems themselves so right. uh but you know there's just that first responder proudness where people don't want to come out and say hey i got an issue right and i need to take care of it and uh you know you it's kind of a simplification, but it's not worth dying for, you know, no. this, this thing is not worth dying for. I mean, I just, I wish I could reach out there to all those people that are having problems and say, you know, there's nothing worth, worth you know, worth taking your life over because that's obviously become a big issue. So, yeah, it has. um, I obviously, I've never had any problems with that part of the deal with, so I, I when we talk about depression and whatnot, mm -hmm. I don't know anything about what that means because I've never experienced it, but it's mm -hmm. obviously there. And part of the whole thing is this addiction and, and uh, trauma that we go through. And it's just weird how there's so many levels of it and what causes what. And, you know, I've seen the weirdest things you've ever imagined you can possibly imagine. I was a SWAT guy for like 18 years, long time. I've seen lots of things. Been, you know, I've been a cop for 31 years. So um, I don't think that the on-the-job stuff has ever bothered me. My, my problem came from organizational stress, from dealing with the command staff, with uh, – you know, the business side of it, the politics, yeah. politics ate me up. I, I, you know, I drank my whole life without a problem. And then all of a sudden it became a problem. Yep. So, I mean, everybody out there that's in this, in the first responder world, I mean, there's, there's so many issues out there to deal with, mm -hmm. you know, and you're, you're supposed to make these split second decisions all the time. And if you, know, you can't do anything wrong, you do anything wrong and you're going to get fired. So, yep. you know, what a way to live your life, you know? Right. Right. Well, when when Sean was telling that story, what I took from it immediately was the fact that you said that you had a problem, which is rare. Typically, you know, the family is like we either intervention style or just the spouse is like, you know, you need to get help. But you recognizing it and wanting to, to take the step is pretty huge. Well, I just got tired of it. But, you know, and like I said, it's there's so many levels of it and crisis is so differing you can't put a black and white term on it or anything else no. you know in the big picture of crises mine was really not that big of a deal I just sure. got tired of feeling crappy so I wanted right. to do something about it but some right. people are really dealing with everyday horrible barely can stand being in their own skin type stuff and I just don't I never did that myself yeah. but you know mine wasn't a mental aspect it was just a physical you know coping yeah right. a coping thing. yeah and i know a lot of officers alcohol tends to be the the go-to uh because it's a social thing you know it, yeah. it starts to just kind of uh, overwhelm them and then yeah, yeah. Well, it's, the whole, it's the whole legal aspect too with 
with right. officers. I mean, everything else is illegal, but alcohol, right. but, right. but right. that doesn't, I, I think, you know, with the younger generation coming up, it's all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I came up culturally where drinking is what we did, you know, yep. you know yep. my mom and dad, you know, told me basically, I'll murder you for bringing any drugs into this house, but you're having a drink, you know? So, <laughs> right, uh, right. On. so yeah, uh, it's not their fault. That's just the way they were taught. So right. uh, yep. it's, it's just a different day now. And, you know, now yeah. that I'm in my fifties, it's just a different mm -hmm. thing. So, yeah. Well, and I, and one of the, you know, you were talking about, um, when you're talking about what you were going through. And um, so one of the important things that people get from these conferences that we do is we have different professions and people talking about their own personal stories and, um, and then how they dealt with it and how they coped with it. Um, because every conference we go to, there are people that are struggling and they're sitting there and they're listening and you know, we're trying to provide solutions for them to, you know, hopefully get better on their own. But ultimately, if they can't, that we have the resources for them to get help. And so, um, you know, when you go to these conferences and you sit there and you watch people and you can really, you can really tell the people that are struggling. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I, I think that we're all we're all wanting the easy button, right? Like, okay, what what can I do? And so we, like I said, we try to do the best as possible that we can do with that. With you know having different speakers up there, providing different resources, and then providing resource lists. Um, but we just want people to know that no matter where you're at, you know, like Jeff said, uh, you know, suicide is not not a, not a solution, right? Right. And, right. But, you know, we do know that people that think about suicide mentally aren't well. Right. And um, so we're trying to provide them resources to get the help that they need. This has been part one of our discussion with Sean and Jeff Thomas. Tune in to part two next week where we'll dig farther into first responder conferences. If you enjoy this podcast, please, we encourage you to rate it, uh, share it on Google Play, CastBox, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and practically anywhere that you can find podcasts. We also encourage you to share and watch the video version on our Binge channel. To learn more about our sponsor, National Police Credit Union, please go to nationalpolicecu.com.